Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast with your hosts, Neil Bathgate-Snethin and Darren Krause. Hey everybody, welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast, season one, episode 21. This time we're not waiting two months to get back to you. <laughs> I am your host, Leah Bathgate-Snethin, here with my co-host, Darren Krause. Hey, Darren. Hey, Leah. How are things? Well, still trying to get over this head cold, and on days where I'm not dying in my bed, I am nesting, so... Oh, um, yeah, isn't a little, that so nice? Well, it's a combination of overdoing it and underdoing it, and it's getting really annoying, I have to say. How about you? Well, you you sound a lot better, so that's a good thing. Um, as for me, um, I know that we've talked a lot about the weather that you can sometimes get up near the Rocky Mountain House area where you are situated, but holy crap, we got dumped on uh, out south here in Calgary, like 35 centimeters in some places. Now, now the good thing is where I'm exactly at in Okotoks, like seriously, we've we maybe got 10 centimeters at the most, so... We kind of got off a little bit scot-free, uh, but boy, oh boy, it was a disaster in the city. Um, other than that, I've just been at home working my little tail off. The the entrepreneur life, right? Yeah. At least we didn't have to drive life. in any of that crap. And I'm not going to lie. Sorry, Calgary people. I do not feel sorry for you at all because we had multiple dumps of snow that were at least a foot before you got your big one. So <laughs> it was your turn. That's all I have to say about that. But Yeah, but the, um, the, the good thing is, though, Leah, is that we probably won't get another really big snow for the rest of the winter. So You should probably bite your tongue when you say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you no just kidding. jinxed it for everybody. Yeah. Um, but a, a lot of golf courses, um, I was a little surprised at first and then I thought about it and then I wasn't surprised um but a lot of them threw in the towel they're done really yeah well I know that I saw Kananaskis of course I mean they have a little bit different climate than we've got in Calgary but I'm actually kind of surprised because there's still some time here to get some decent weather in and given the short season that we had, especially, I mean, we talked about it last week, we had four months this year. You'd think they'd be looking at some extra days of revenue if they could squeeze them in. Yeah, the problem is holding on to the staff for yeah, good whenever the snow melts, right? So, and a lot of these courses, I think, that shut it down are the ones that close right after Thanksgiving weekend. So they can look, mm-hmm. they already looked at their two week forecast, they knew nothing was going to happen. So kind of threw in the towel and man like I just I it, I'm still struggling to believe that we had a golf season this short I have never seen anything like this before not even in Saskatchewan have you no I haven't seen a golf season this short I mean you typically you know they close down beginning of November end of October and usually you can get on the courses by the first couple of weeks of of April but to see something that was literally only four months long, I mean, there's there's been lots of them where we've been able to play in the winter sometimes. You know, Fox Hollow every once in a while is open, mm-hmm. but never anything where we shut down so early. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, have to say. Well, enough of snow talk. Let's let's not talk about that anymore. Maybe <laughs> that means it'll go away. Uh, the Ryder Cup was last weekend. You picked the Americans. I was happy with either team. I thought they were both strong teams, and so therefore I picked the Europeans, and I won again. 
Darren, I have absolutely murdered you at all these picks this year. How do you wow, feel about that? That's super harsh. I, <laughs> I have no idea what happened, Leah. I really thought, especially after the first morning session on the first day, you know, I thought I was sitting pretty. But then Europe really kind of stormed back and they never let go of the lead from there. <clears> and <throat> I think I think once you rattle the U.S. team, you know, you're right that maybe there's a little bit of ego at play here. Guys start pointing fingers. And I think if you look back in history... You take a look at the camaraderie of the teams, and yeah, there's been some good U.S. teams that have had some solid camaraderie, but Europe Europe is just Europe. You know, there's a real brotherhood there that you sometimes don't see from the players on the PGA Tour, especially some of the biggest stars, you know, like the, I mean, Patrick Reed, I mean... Dude threw just about everybody under the bus um, for the for the Ryder Cup. I mean, it's don't it's that even kind get of, me started on him. My <laughs> well, I mean, it's God. that kind of it's that kind of mentality that that maybe it's not the golf, maybe it's not the pairings, maybe it's not you know who's captaining, maybe it's them, maybe it's the egos, and maybe what needs to happen is you need to blow the whole thing up, and you need to bring players in there who are going to be team players. So that does that mean it becomes not a qualifying event, but uh, team teams getting picked by the captains? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because after this was all said and done, I was just like, man, I think sometimes we we shouldn't need to bring in the Patrick Reeds. We shouldn't need to bring in, you know, certain players. I mean, the points. They, they don't take into account any of the intangibles. So I, I did start to thinking, why is it just not a straight selection process? And then the, you know, the cynic in me is going, well, of course, there's going to be some favoritism there. You know, maybe Jim Furyk really likes, you know, 12 players and only four of them are in the top 10 and the rest are in the top 50. I'm not sure if that really matters in the end because you're just trying to win. But 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 maybe you're right. Maybe there is a flaw with that. What do you think? I don't mind the qualifying. It's kind of the way that we do ours as well. And um, it means that they've had to have a good year that year. Well, I guess probably. Do they do a two-year qualifying? I actually don't even know. I just thought about that. Probably. I'm pretty I would sure assume. it's a, a, a two-year qualifying. Yeah. So, I mean, it means that they've had to play their way onto the team, and I think that that is a more fair way of doing it rather than having captains pick favorites. But, no, I just... I I also feel like the American team just has a bunch of egos. Like I said, don't even get me started on Patrick Reed. I feel like the way that he tried to call out Jordan was like a two-year-old actually... Even it could be even older. You, you were having issues with your six and eight year olds right before we started recording this. Like, Jordan doesn't have to play with you, Patrick, just because you say you want him to. That is not mm-hmm. the way life works. That is not like, and we talked about the fact that Jordan and Justin were playing together. This is Justin's first Ryder Cup. And these guys have been friends for their entire lives. So, of course, mm-hmm. Jordan wanted that opportunity to play on a team with Justin in his first Ryder Cup. And you know what, Patrick? People just don't like you. Okay? <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why. One of my favorite, 
lines, and I, it hasn't even really been talked about, but I guess it wasn't that controversial. At the time, I was kind of like, whoa, what just happened? But at the American press conference after, Jordan got asked about not playing with Patrick, and he starts going off about talking about something that, you know, they were talking about it as a team, and they came up with this term, and on the other side of the table... They were they were almost on opposite sides. Jordan goes, "What was what was that called again, Tiger?" And Tiger just completely ignored him, and didn't even acknowledge that Jordan just asked him a specific question because I think he wanted to stay out of the drama. And my favorite line had to have been Jordan saying, "Good talk, Tiger." I've been saying "Good talk, Tiger" for the last week. I don't know why I just found it really comical. Um, the other thing <laughs> that I have. I guess, issues with, and this goes for both teams, is I started this hashtag. I thought it would catch on. It really didn't. But um, remember when Ian Poulter won and we did the podcast that week and I went off about how he was banging his chest and how ridiculous it was and I made it very clear that I thought that it was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of freaking chest banging and it's just like, I started this hashtag golfers aren't gorillas because I cannot freaking stand it. I cannot stand watching these guys pound their chests like they're freaking apes, like girl walk. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it bothers me too, but probably not to the extent that it bothers you. Now, what does bother me? And I kind of feel the same way about this is where... Is, is when the guys sink a big putt, or I don't care if it's, if it's football or if it's hockey or if it's baseball, and they get a big hit or they get a goal or something like that, and they go, let's go! Let's go! Oh, my God, I hate that. It's, to me, it's, it's the same kind of annoying. I'm sort of used to that, but do you watch... You obviously don't if you hate the term let's go. Did you watch Big Brother at all this summer? Yes. Now, you see, <laughs> I I liked her. I liked Casey. But I do not like that Let's Go. It is, it's the one reason, actually, why I wanted Tyler to beat Casey. <laughs> it's it's just, I don't know. I, I agree. It's It gets annoying. It's just like, it's that line. I'd rather hear let's go than watch someone pound their chest, I guess. That's that's where I stand Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting. We both have our things. We both <laughs> kind of dislike one thing, but really, really dislike the other. But yeah, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. It is the Safeway Open already this week. The new PGA mm-hmm. Tour season has begun. Woo, wraparound season, thank God. Um, and apparently Phil didn't need an off season. I, I, I'm a little confused why he's playing. I don't know if he's trying to look better against a weaker field or if he's just trying to play through the struggles that he's having. Like, I, we all know I've loved Phil for a long time, but I'm really struggling with what's been going on with his game lately. Why, why is he in the field? I'm going to guess all of the above. I really think that at, at least, I mean, it's it's not like I've tracked Phil's career religiously, but if you were to compare him 
versus, say, Tiger Woods. They both had their up and downs on the PGA Tour in their long careers. But Phil has a tendency to play through those ups and downs, whereas Tiger tends to go, oh, man, my game is the absolute shits right now. Okay, I'm going to take... I'm going to take a couple of months off. I'm going to go get a different swing teacher, you know, Butch Harmon or something like that. I'm going to I'm going to go and fix my swing, tinker with it and then come back and then oh, when it doesn't work out, I'm going to retreat for a while, get injured, you know, that kind of stuff. But Phil is always a guy who seems to just play through it, just go, "Hey, the only way that I'm going to fix this is if I start to figure it out on the golf course and get back in that groove." Now, the downside to that, I would say I'm no sports psychologist, but the downside to that would be peaking. You know, you can never tell when you're going to peak. And I mean, right now, if he keeps going and maybe he takes some time off during Thanksgiving or during the Christmas season, he may get back into it and start peaking around the time of the Masters. But Otherwise, the peak is really unpredictable if he just keeps playing. He'll never know when he's going to get in that groove, and he could take a dive when we get around to the 2019 Majors season. Yeah, and that whole schedule got mixed up as well for next year, right? So, like, the players is going to be way earlier, and Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. But there are a lot of Canadians in the field this week, so that'll be exciting for us to kind of keep track of them, and hopefully they do well. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not it's it's not surprising to see the Canadians in the field. Um, I'm going to guess a couple of them are are looking to score, you know, at least a reasonable placing, you know, get their way into the, the FedEx Cup point standings for for next year with a, a little bit of a weaker field. So hopefully they can uh, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak, because it sure isn't shining here. Yeah, no. And they they need a paycheck. They'd like to make a cut. Um, But they've been, actually, a lot of them have been playing really well over the last few months. We just maybe forgot about that with the playoffs happening. And so I'm expecting good things from them. So good luck, all of the Canadians at the Safeway Open. Next up, we've got Chip Shots, brought to you by Callaway Golf. All right, so this past week, uh, we actually had the PGA of Alberta uh, put out their finalists for all of their awards, uh, which is they're given out annually uh, the week of the buying show. On the Wednesday night, they have their awards dinner. And so just wanted to, I'm not going to read off everyone who was nominated, but the award finalists are, this list is long enough, trust me. Um Club Professional of the Year, Executive Professional of the Year, Class A Assistant of the Year, CFM Assistant of the Year, Teacher of the Year, Junior Leader of the Year, Coach of the Year, Sales Rep of the Year, Private Club Retailer of the Year, and Public Club Retailer of the Year. So congratulations to all the nominees, and we will see you in uh, a couple weeks, I guess, at the buying show. And, I'm going uh, to uh, I'm going to lobby the PGA of Alberta to add in another category next year, uh, golf podcast of the year. Ah, that that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we also this past week had the ACAC Alberta College Athletic Conference. Is that what uh, it is? Yeah, you know what? I'm doing some stuff for SATE and I SATE athletics and. 
and I know that it's the ACAC. I just, I, I can't remember. It's the Alberta Collegiate Athletics Conference, I believe. All right. Uh, they had their uh, golf championship, I guess, at, um, oh my goodness, Alberta Springs, just outside of Red mm-hmm. Deer. Yep. I'm impressed they were able to actually play the championship, <laughs> first of all. So that was awesome. So a huge congratulations to the men's winner, who is Michael Harrison from the University of Alberta, Augustana campus, and also to on the women's division, Becky Martin from Medicine Hat College. Cool little tidbit about Becky back in 2014, I believe it was. Um, she actually played an AGT event in Medicine Hat, the only one we've ever had there um, as a junior back then. So, and she actually wow, was cool. in the she was in the champ flight. She could hammer the ball way back then too. So, I'm not surprised to see her winning this conference in the women's division at all. That's She's cool. a great golfer. And that was Chip Shots, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Okay, Darren, this isn't really a segment. It doesn't belong in a specific segment, but it is a hot topic in golf at the moment. So figured we should talk about it at some point here. Uh, we are, what day is it today? The 4th? We are less than two weeks away from marijuana being legalized in this country. So pot on the golf course. Let's talk about it. Sorry, I just need to take a big drag before we get going. <laughs> <laughs> you would <laughs> oh all you listeners out there i am i am not i am not a user so um you know this is interesting leah uh you know i mean you can go out on any one of our uh golf tournaments and you have people smoking cigarettes or drinking beer and despite what the governments, whether they're municipal or provincial governments, uh, no, no matter their perspective on the matter, I don't see marijuana as being any different than a combination of both of those, whether it's the smoking aspect or the the drinking and the kind of the intoxicating effect of marijuana. So I personally, I know there are a lot of people who probably care if somebody's smoking weed on the golf course, but really you can't do that and then take a drag of your player's light or something like that, or take a sip of your your beautiful IPA, Flash Flood IPA. That's a shout out to Kananaskis Golf Club there. Um, and, <laughs> and, and do that, you know, in good conscience, because in my mind, it's the same thing, regardless of what, of, of people's personal feelings. So when it all comes down to it, I mean, yeah, if we're going to allow booze and we're going to allow smoking on the golf courses, then people are, sh- should be allowed to bring out their pipes and smoke a bowl while they're out there too. Yeah. And maybe it's, it's still such a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. I, I personally struggle to see them as the same thing though. I know really at the end of the day, it, it's the same context more or less um i struggle with it personally because of personal issues that have happened in the past with me Uh, i don't like you know like when i have a drink on the golf course or i have a couple twisted teas or whatnot 
um, and I'm with my kid, my kid's not necessarily getting affected by that. I don't smoke, so he's never getting secondhand smoke. It concerns me that my child is going to have to start understanding more about pot and what that skunk smell is and that it's not actually a skunk like we've been pretending it is his whole life you do the same thing so eh? <laughs> it's um yeah it's but but i, I don't know i ask you I, the I question with the taboo. Lilia, what do you tell him about the cigarette smoke are you are you are you educating him on on that when he's in a group where where maybe somebody is smoking a cigarette or or if people are having a cigarette you know, after the round or something like that. Like, what are you, what are you telling them there? Because I, I would hazard a guess that all things considered, it's probably safer for him to ingest the marijuana smoke than it is the cigarette smoke. I'm not a, I'm not a like a, a doctor by any means, but the fact that there's health benefits with marijuana and none really with cigarette smoke, um, that's that's kind of where I. Like, I understand what you're saying, but, but I don't understand the fear. Well, the health, health benefits, if you will, of marijuana are not, I don't believe, um, ingested through secondhand smoke. Fair. Uh, so I would venture to say that that's not something that would benefit my child. Um, he does know what cigarette smoke is because his dad smokes. Um, he's played with Teresa numerous times who smokes a lot on the golf course too as a, as an example she's not the only one but i mean he he knows what cigarette smoking is but it's also been legal for his whole life right yeah i guess i've just kind of seen the the effects of prolonged use of of marijuana over time and it makes me personally it just makes me really uncomfortable especially around my son um, I mean, I, that, and he that, obviously spends a long period of time on the golf course. That's, that's understandable because, I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe the comparison between, you know, pot smoke and cigarette smoke isn't isn't exactly, you know, the right context for the conversation. But I think, I mean, it's, if you're talking about the health consequence, you know, for especially for kids, if they are in contact with the marijuana. Um, it, it can have that effect on their brain. I think that that's one of the biggest concerns from people who are against this is is the effect that it might have on kids because it's been shown to affect the brain right up till they're 25 years old. So so to that end, yeah, I I can totally understand where you're coming from. So so I I mean it's 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 going to be quite a big debate, and I know that golf courses are going to have to deal with it. And, and, you know, maybe we can start tracking some of, uh, some of how the golf courses are, are handling the situation, uh, you know, as we move into next year. Yeah. It'll be a good kind of off season survey to do with mm-hmm. some of these courses and, and chat with them about it. I did, I was sent, uh, a magazine, a Canadian golf magazine in the mail that had done a survey, uh, this, this magazine is based out of BC, so, uh, <laughs> so I'm sure. So, so take it with the a bag of dope are... is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, some of the stats from this article, basically, you know, generally speaking, and, and I think we didn't need a survey to tell us this, that the younger demographic is a lot more comfortable with this whole situation. Um, and 
planning to smoke probably more than an older demographic. So um, under 35 years in this survey, 72% of participants were likely to play a course that allows it with 80% uh, of the participants planning to smoke marijuana. Can you believe, like, 80% of these people, and again, this is from BC, so, um, but yeah, 80% of people under 35 years are planning to smoke marijuana on the golf course. Well, yeah, I mean, again, it, it goes back to that alcohol thing. Um, I mean, we could we could talk about this topic for hours because seriously in in my field in in journalism this is probably one of the biggest stories of the year but if you ask me personally if i'm thinking about being on the golf course and i mean i've i've played rounds with guys where we're drinking you know 3 4 beers i'll just say it's 3 or 4 beers <laughs> and you know what you, you don't really feel that great and you know what you might go home have a couple more and you end up with a little bit of a hangover the next day with this, you know, you smoke a, a joint or, you know, you, you, I mean, you could consume an edible too. Maybe that's down the road, but you don't end up with that hangover. So that might be where the 80% comes from. Hey, man, if I can do this and I mean, although we certainly wouldn't condone it, a lot of people might make the decision to drive even after it. Not, not, yeah, not thinking it's the say, same like thing I, as consuming alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think think that that's a very blurry line mm-hmm. on on how much can you smoke and still safely drive. A lot of people may think, oh, I can have four beer over the course, you know, like two per nine or whatever over the course of my round. Well, your blood alcohol level is fine by the end of the round if you've spread it out over the whole four and a half hours, right? Whereas if you're smoking like two bowls every nine holes um i don't really think you're going to be in a position to safely drive home at the end of your round so i mean that that's another concern obviously as well now it this article also said 40 percent of participants that were 55 plus in age said that they are very likely not to play a course that allows it So not that it doesn't matter that they just wouldn't smoke it. Like they will not go to a course that allows it. And only 7% of this age group was planning to smoke. I know that my dad's probably in that group because, you know, the, I, again, I'm, I'm not a smoker. I actually really don't care what happens with the, the, the marijuana laws, but in talking with my dad, I mean, I usually play the devil's advocate. But he is, he's thinking that it's going to be the ruination of society here. And so I'm going to guess that if there's a course where they do allow the consumption of cannabis on the course, he's probably going to make the conscious decision not to play there. And I think that a lot of courses are going to have to weigh that in their, mm-hmm. in their decision of whether or not to allow cannabis products uh, at their facility. Well, that's exactly another point is we have been begging the golf industry as a whole for so long to focus more on the younger demographic, you know, lax dress codes, being able to play Mm -hmm. music in your group, etc. So, you know, like allowing the marijuana is obviously, according to this, the numbers in the survey, obviously, um, definitely focusing on more of the younger demographic, but you could completely alienate the older demographic at the same time. So 
Um, there are very strong opinions for the most part on one side or the other. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to some of these golf courses based on the decision that they make. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder because it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a relaxant and it, it might've made me mellow out a little bit when I shot that 92 on my fourth day at Kananaskis. So I'm wondering, Leah, do you think at any point this could be, do you think that this, I kind of say this half seriously, but it could be considered a performance enhancer? Well, they don't allow people to drink on the PGA Tour or in most tournaments. But what about right? But what so, about smoking? I know that, I mean, and I know that Kevin Kisner has a nice wad of chai in there. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they allow, they allow cigarettes, but they're not allowed to consume liquor right. in, during a tournament, mm. right? So for, for that same reason, because some people kind of have that peak of, you know, like if you can stay steady at that two drink peak, then you're, you're relaxed enough to not freak out, but you're <laughs> not drunk that you're seeing three balls when you dress it. So, I mean, uh, it'll be, it'll be very interesting. And, and also it, it depends, I think, on who owns the land that the golf course mm-hmm. is on, because in a lot of cases, you've got a town or a city that actually own the land that the golf course is on, so they need to follow those town or city bylaws, sure. which many of them would consider that an open green space or a park, which means that it's likely with a lot of the bylaws that I've seen come out that it wouldn't be allowed at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, it'll be interesting because... I'm I'm actually not sure how it would be governed in a course that's, you know, out in the sticks somewhere um, where it's probably governed by the MD or or something like that. And it, I mean, it's it's essentially private property in a lot of cases. It's not public property. So, I mean, maybe if they get their AGLC license, I mean, I guess that would probably be only for distribution or, or something like that. You know what? It's to be really interesting. I think what we need to do, Leah, is we need to talk to some golf course operators in the coming weeks to see how they're going to be dealing with that it, that issue come come the spring because it's no doubt going to be an issue and they're going to have to find some way around it. Oh, for sure. And let's be realistic. It's already happening. It's been happening forever. So the people that really want to smoke it, they don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. They've been smoking it for yeah. years. And trust me, I've smelled it. So so yeah, we'll, we'll keep updating you guys, I guess, throughout the off season on any findings and, and what some of these golf courses say. If anybody wants to do an interview with us, perhaps that would be good too. So yeah, and in topic. the meantime, if you have some thoughts on what should happen with marijuana on the golf course, uh, feel free to hit us up on Golf Life AB um, on Twitter, on Facebook, or you know what, just put a comment on one of the uh, one of the articles and say, "Hey, you guys, you know, I saw, heard you doing the pot thing." Yeah, we'll be uh, <laughs> happy to give you a shout out on air. Yes, and, and I didn't mean to do it in the stoner sure voice. Did. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, and we've got one more segment. We added this on our our last show. For the time being, I'm kind of I'm leaving these suggestions in your hands, Darren, as as somebody who's 
somewhat new, you know, in the last four or five years to tournament golf and maybe some Mm -hmm. situations that you've come across. So what are your suggestions or what, what kind of rules do you, are you looking for clarification on this week? There's two of them. And I know that I have uh, encountered both of these on the course as I sure, as I'm sure many of our listeners have as well. So there's a difference when you're on the green, you mark your ball and you're taking a look at your general line. And if there's a ball mark in the line, you can repair it. But I'm just wondering what makes that different from fixing spike marks or other like putter gacks or something like that on the course. And what are the rules around that? Well, this is one of the rules that's being changed. So um, at the moment, typically if, if there is a mark, a a ball mark on your line and you're wanting to fix it, Mm -hmm. you should be asking your playing partners if they agree that it's a mark that can be fixed. I'm always super hesitant to fix a ball mark that's anywhere between my ball mark and the hole because somebody Mm -hmm. can accuse you of saying that that was a spike mark, which is also a ridiculous rule, which is exactly why it's being changed. Um, But it's, you you were never allowed. Now, interesting, uh, I guess, side note. And again, because this is changing, this is kind of irrelevant, but... We were always, I guess, we were always under the understanding that in this situation, you are only allowed to fix ball marks. Right. What if, let's see if you know the answer to this. I'm putting you on the spot. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Only because I know the answer because I had to look it up. That's the beauty of this great new segment. (laughs) What if in the middle of your line is the hole plug that they replaced from just the day before? And there's a big bump. Oh, that's good. I believe that you are allowed to fix that. Yay! Good job. Yes. Because it's, it's, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's something that's kind of beyond your control there. So So are the spike marks though, realistically, right? Like. Well, yeah, no. And and that's why there's a lot of confusion over it because I mean, come on. (laughs) You should not have to be penalized because some jackass dragged their feet uh, on the course. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, the the whole plug thing has been, I mean, I actually have only ever had it come up once and it wasn't even in in one of my tournaments, but um, it was Mm -hmm. Tom Morgan and he last year and he's like, well, I didn't want to get in trouble, so I didn't fix it. So my my putt was taken way offline because it hit the edge of the circle and just got pulled in a totally different direction. And so I looked it up and sure enough, he was allowed to actually fix the edges of that whole plug. So that's an interesting one. But as we said, as of cool. January 1st, you can fix spike marks and putter marks and whatever else is out of your control before you got to that green. You can actually fix them now. So I am a huge fan of that rule change. Cool. Anything else real quick? Well, I, Yeah, I, I have one more only because I, I think this probably happens to to everybody at least once during a season, if not multiple times during the season, okay? Especially if you're on a hole that has water in front of it or something like that. So we all know that if you go into a hazard directly and you see your ball plunk in the water or or in a, a, a lateral hazard, that 
you can pretty easily identify the point of entry and then you know you do the 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 corresponding you know club lengths that that sort of thing or stroke and d- distance but what happens if your ball crosses over the hazard hits say a heavy embankment near the green but then bounces back into the water leah where is my point of entry where it crossed the line last so in front of the water or in front of whatever hazard it bounced back into. This happened okay, to so... me numerous times this year, actually. And also Tyler, when he was down in Palm Desert, it happened to him. I ended up getting attacked by fire ants, actually, on my ankles when I went to go pull his ball back <laughs> out of the hazard. But again, before before you go and do anything, you know, I can't stress enough, before you do anything, just, just for ease of everyone's mind... Always check with your playing partners. Make sure that your Mm -hmm. playing partners agree and see the same thing that you saw. You know, in Tyler's instance, for example, at this World Junior event, he, uh, it was, it was one of these damn par fives that, that kept eating him up the first two days. So the first day he went into the water, the second day he wouldn't listen to his mother and proceeded to try to go over the water again. And I had him aim where there was less of a clearance, but he still didn't get a hold of the shot properly. But he did, he did come out of the water. He skipped, he actually skipped across the water. He still didn't fly it, but he still crossed the hazard line on the other side of the water and then rolled back in. And so I turned immediately to one of the other parents and I was like, where's my point of entry there? And he said, well, your ball, the ball came out on the other side of the water. So... I would call that your point of entry over there. And I was like, okay, great. Just wanted to double check. That's that's because it doesn't happen often where your ball very clearly crosses that that further hazard line and then rolls back in. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at Augusta and watching Sergio, for example, <laughs> hit how many into the water, his very clearly right. way, like flew and crossed that hazard line and then rolled back in. He just chose to replay from the same position. A lot of times you maybe skip over the water or something like that and you barely make it out. It depends if the lines are painted or if there's just posts or mm-hmm. if they're actually using long grass or short grass as a hazard line. And, you know, there's a lot of variables there. But um, the short of it is your point of entry is where you last crossed the hazard line. Right. I I guess the part that's always tripped me up in those situations is um, the no closer to the hole, because I know that if you're on the other side or if you're, you're, you know, at a right angle to where you enter and, you know, you get that two club lengths, no closer to the hole. Well, how on earth do you get your two club lengths, no closer to the hole if you're, if you back into the hazard? You can still go sideways. Right. A lot of times you're able to go and, sideways. There are some instances where you're not, where sideways, you know, for example, we had this happen a couple times at championship where they hit into a red hazard. They were trying to keep the point between the pin and their point of entry in line with where they wanted to drop. But the problem was, and again, this happens more often than not, you're dropping further into the hazard or you have to drop into fescue. Right. Even our forest fescue lateral rule will do this to people a lot of times. So either you take the crappy lie or, you know, in the situation where there's water, for example, um, if you can't go sideways and still be no closer to the hole, most of the time 
usually you should be able to go sideways um, if mm-hmm. you're in the middle of the fairway. And, and you know, like the water hazard is in the middle of the hole, for example. But you also still have that option of keeping that point between you and the, the pin, right? So right. you can go back okay. as far Makes as sense. you need on that line. So you may be hitting over the water again, but that is still maybe a better option than hitting out of the fescue, which is your, your two club lengths option. Good. Yeah. Well, thanks for clearing that up. And I hope it cleared it up for a lot of you out there because I know those are two fairly common situations out on the golf course. All right, guys, if you have any rules that you want some clarification on or want, I guess, some elaboration on or real life situations, give us a shout out on that as well on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GolfLifeAB. Uh, Neil Nose posted his last article tier of the season. Um, so he's going to be done for the off season, I think, for the most part. So maybe we'll have to get him on and grind his gears a little bit for the off season on the occasional podcast and and tell we him. We should uh, we should put together a list of his of his successes and maybe his not so successful Neiler Nose. Um, predictions throughout the course of the season and and maybe we'll just do a a kind of a look back segment with him on some of those uh, selections that sounds good brian we are going to tear you apart on the live podcast (laughs) recording i can't wait (laughs) awesome thank you for joining us this week guys make sure you check out the website as well at golflifeab.com and reach out to us on social media have a great week to the Golf Life Alberta podcast.